Welcome to the Bad Boss Journal, the dope podcast where you can anonymously say exactly what you think about your bad boss, toxic work environment, and find out how to handle it. Welcome to another episode of the Bad Boss Journal. My name is Michelle. And I'm Ava. And on our show today, we have our guest, Liz. Hi, Liz. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. We're really excited to have you on, especially because I just found out you are a psychologist. Yes, yes that's correct. Ava knows that if I could have everything in terms of like, you know, the financial freedom to go back to school, that is what I want to go back to school for. So I'm very excited. <laughs> thanks. I'm excited to be here, too. Thanks for being here. Um, so transition, let's get started and please share with us your bad boss story. Yeah. So I think my, um, gosh, worst boss slash kind of most difficult boss to deal with was a boss who really just displayed a lot of erratic behavior. Um, she was kind of a screamer, just so difficult to be around. She berated people. And, you know, if trust is the foundation of all of our relationships with people, then, you know, I was coming to work every day feeling like it was just so unpredictable and chaotic. I didn't know, was she going to be nice to the team? Was she not going to be nice to the team? And and as a result of that, so many negative things followed. Um, and, and to make matters worse, I think she didn't seem to have any insight that her behavior in the workplace was not acceptable, nor would she ever own any responsibility for the harm that she was causing. So the team felt very helpless and kind of hopeless and had, you know, just just felt like, what can we do? So that's sort of in a nutshell, I think, was the, those are the most like difficult aspects um, of working with someone like that. How long did you have to work with a person? I guess, let's see, eight months. Yeah. Wow. And then how did that uh, work relationship end? Like when you, the, after that eight months, was it because you moved um, out of that job or that person got out? Um, Yeah. So that I um, stayed in my job and that person ended up moving. And I think part of what was a saving grace was knowing that, you know, it was going to be time limited, exactly how time limited it would be at, you know, I didn't know at the time, but I knew at least that it was going to be time limited. And so I reminded myself as the days were so difficult that there is going to be an end to this. I don't know exactly when, but there is going to be an end to this. And also I think in life, you know, I also had a choice to decide to stay at that job or leave that job because, um, you know, I'm not in the military. I'm not in a situation where I've made a commitment that I absolutely, you know, cannot get out of. So I also reminded myself what one of my mentors said, which was one of the most important things I think anyone has said to me, my um, favorite psychiatrist mentor in graduate school that, you know, we have a choice all the time, you know, how do we want to respond to the environment? So um, you're stuck unless you're in a situation where you've legally obligated yourself to do something and you can't get out of that. In my case, you know, I'm not in the military. I'm not in a situation where I absolutely had to stay, but I didn't want to give up 
the incredible work that I got to do just because this woman was so horrible, if that makes sense. Right, right. I think that's extremely important, um, especially for our listeners to hear, because, you know, a lot of people are in situations where they feel stuck and they feel like they can't get out of the situation. And, you know, it's good to know that there's always a choice. And I think you were blessed to know that her presence wasn't forever, that there was a time limit to it. Um, Can you walk us through like a typical day um, in that environment? I can actually. And one of the strategies that I tried to employ was really just to minimize my time with her. So I attended the meetings that I had to um, because I reported directly to her. And so, you know, now I'm in a position in my career where I've been a psychologist a long time. So I'm kind of more senior in the organization where I report directly to her. Whereas a lot of my colleagues had multiple layers kind of underneath. So they were sheltered because they didn't have to interact with her much. I (laughs) reported directly to her. So I, you know, made it a point to be as pleasant and kind and nice during all the meetings that I had to have with her. But I also tried to kind of protect myself in the sense that um, I minimized the amount of time that I spent with her because you know, I knew that it was going to be chaotic and erratic and, you know, I was probably going to get yelled at for something that was just unreasonable and unwarranted, um, but it really had nothing to do with me even. So that was one of the things that I did. And I made a conscious effort to every day when I walked in the door to say that I'm going to support all the people on this team. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And there was a beautiful quote in a book that I had read And it says, um, the only grace you can have is the grace you can imagine. So I literally every day walked in, thought about that quote, and just tried to extend grace toward this person who was behaving in a terrible way toward all of us. Right. I feel like having your boss leave is ultimately like, I mean, not to say easy, but like the best way in a situation, you know, in like a best scenario, right? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's still really difficult, especially if you know they're leaving, but they haven't left yet. And you're having to kind of count down those days. Because I know that we've talked a lot in this podcast about how people felt stuck, people feel like they can't leave. And it's usually them having to either leave a job or leave the job itself or having to file a complaint, things like that, to try to get something to change. And I do think it is good to remember that. While a lot of the times we may feel stuck, and sometimes we truly may be, especially if it's a financial situation too, and you may feel stuck because you feel like, oh, how am I going to support my family if I leave this? It's that one thing, you know, like it can feel very daunting, especially if that job is so draining that you feel like it's very difficult for you to go out to look for another job. So I do think sometimes kind of being able to pull back a bit from our own life which is really difficult when you're in a stressful situation like this and remind yourself, like, I do have a choice. I don't have to put up with this if that person's not leaving, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. But like you said, I think it's very complicated because there are so many factors involved, you know, for people who have children who feel like they need to stay at that job, stay at a job because it gives them so much flexibility. And so there are, there are sometimes just, as you mentioned, circumstances that 
that would make it so challenging to leave that, right. you know, I can understand why people do feel stuck. And that was what my mentor was trying to help me understand that from a psychological standpoint, at least like I could remind myself, even if I, you know, felt like, okay, I have to stay here from a psychological standpoint, mentally, I don't every day have to feel psychologically stuck there. I can feel right. like, you know, that there, there is a way for me to exist in this space that's so difficult without feeling so miserable every day. Liz, can you talk a little bit about whether or not either in your experience with this boss or the other members of your team who had to like deal with um, the repercussions of our actions, what kind of psychological or physiological toll that her behavior took on the office and the team? I think it took a huge toll um, because the level of stress was so high every day that I think what I saw was people actually started being kind of not kind to each other. It, it almost seemed as if everyone was so stressed that because of that, people were kind of snapping it, snapping with each other or snapping at each other, you know, when in the past they hadn't done that. I think the level just got so high that everyone felt like they were walking on eggshells. Um, and so naturally they were not the best version of themselves. And so I think from a morale standpoint, it really destroyed the morale. And then it made people quite anxious because the unpredictable nature of when this woman was going to get angry, no one could predict that, nor could anyone, you know, adjust their behavior to try to uh, prevent it. So, you know, you really are in a situation where somebody is being kind of, well, they aren't kind of being verbally abusive, they are being verbally abusive. And since it's chaotic, and you don't know when it's going to happen, that's actually even more upsetting. Right. Was it just you who was the psychologist in this work dynamic? Or was were there multiple people? No, just me. That's, okay, because I was like, man, if it's if it's like a whole organization full of people who, you know, work in this type of environment, I cannot imagine the ego you would have to know, you know what I mean? <laughs> to know psychology and psychiatry and then act that way. So yeah. that's good to know. <laughs> that's good to know. Thing is, okay, so I am the psychologist and I was doing more consulting work. So I didn't, ah, wasn't okay. patients, anything like that. So I was doing consulting work. And so everyone on the team, all of them were doing individual jobs and they were not psychologists. So they would come to my office and they would say, Hey Liz, can we talk? Can I talk to you for a minute? And one by one throughout the day, different people would come in and they would discuss with me, you know, I don't know how to manage this. This is, uh, you know, she's yelling at us all the time. What do we do? And so I would try my best to be very empathic toward them, but I was also living it at the exact same time. So I'm thinking about how can I be helpful to them? How can I try to give them skills to manage how upset they are? And then what sorts of skills am I using kind of really for myself that I can also manage this? So uh, one of the members on the team said, you know, man, like 
who do you get to talk to about this? Because because you saw my door was like constantly closed, then open, closed, then open, closed, then open. It was a revolving door throughout the day of people that were really struggling. So not only were you working at your regular job, but on top of that, during your work hours, you were also therapying everyone. Exactly. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to handle. So in the end, do you think that this boss or did this boss ever really acknowledge or come to any understanding of her behavior and its impact on the team? No, and that I think is what's very sad. No matter how many ways we tried to express what we were trying to articulate, it just seemed to constantly fall on deaf ears that she just would not listen to what we were trying to say or ever accept any responsibility for behaving in a way that was very upsetting in team meetings. And um, so everyone got to the point where, you know, they felt like you just couldn't even have a dialogue with her because if you tried to have a dialogue about, you know, just, just saying something such as, I'm not sure you're aware, but, you know, when you are snapping at everyone all the time, people are feeling anxious about bringing up new ideas to you. But because she had so little insight into how she was behaving, that if anyone would try to make a statement in that vein, you sort of would just get kind of almost snapped at more as if I don't have a problem, like you have the problem communicating. Uh, So that just made it difficult because everyone wanted to have a nice discussion around how can we make this team, you know, better in the sense that people are behaving professionally and, and it, it just, we just weren't able to do that with her because she just continued to demonstrate, you know, no insight into what was happening. Now, I know you talked about, um, which, you know, we're grateful for that, um, her transitioning and in my work experience, you know, a lot of times when somebody transitions, there's usually like a, a festive going away of sorts or things like that. Based on this leader's behavior, how did the team approach that, which I imagine would probably be an awkward situation? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And I think everyone approached it in a different way. So Mm -hmm. some people chose not to be a part of the final day that she was there. I think everyone in their own way decided how they were going to manage that because some people felt like I'm not going to pretend that Mm -hmm. this time was okay. So I'm not going to stand here and, you know, watch you be recognized by your boss for the great work that you did when you've been a terror to the rest of us for this time. Um, And then other people felt like politically in the organization, it was important for them to show up at a ceremony for, you know, her transition. And that, I think, was just the way that individuals tried to manage it. They really just decided what they wanted to do and what they felt like was not always the right thing to do, but, you know, I guess I should say, like, the right thing for them. They may have thought, well, politically, I probably should be at this ceremony, but I don't Mm want to go. So I'm either going to go and not be happy here, or I'm not going to go. And then it's obvious to other people that I'm not there. So I think people felt like they were in a bind. They didn't know what to do, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely complicated. 
Michelle, what do you think about that? (laughs) It's like to the day she leaves, it is an absolute torture. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's, that's kind of the sadness of it. And I think, especially as a psychologist that, you know, there was no reason for it. There's never a reason to be yelling at people or being disrespectful to people. I mean, I say this all the time to my team, you know, we can have constructive dialogue that involves people being very honest with each other and saying things like, you know, I'm not really sure that's a great idea. I think if you do this, these negative consequences will happen. If it's delivered in a way that's respectful and, you know, professional and it's coming from a great place, we can sit around the table, we can disagree, we can try to come up with what we think is going to be a great consensus for the organization. So what I struggle with was why do you feel like you need to yell at us? You know, I grew up in the Midwest. My family is Catholic, you know, in the Franciscan tradition. I mean, you just don't treat people like that. It's just not, not kind of, it's not part of my value system. And so it was hard for me to have to endure that and watch that, especially feeling like it wasn't necessary. Everyone was always listening to her. I mean, she didn't need to raise her voice. She didn't need to shout at us. She didn't, you know, everyone was always listening to her. So it just, it just wasn't necessary. I'm wondering if your previous boss had the idea, you know, that really old mindset of how a boss is strict, you know, uses force scares people into submission so everybody listens because I feel like that's such an old and it's been proven to be so unfruitful you know and I mean I've had a boss like that who will every time I have an in-person meeting will be like oh no you have to be mean you have to you know when people would joke around and be like oh Michelle's mean because she speaks her mind and I'd be like actually no like I'm very careful when I'm giving out criticism though or if I have a differing opinion, I'm trying to be, I always try to be very mindful, but yeah, like I, I am very direct at, you know, most of the time, but I don't yell. I don't, you know, curse people out. I'm very tactful about how I write my emails and texts because I'm afraid of coming, you know, like just to make sure, cause you know, words always written down seem different than in context a lot of times. So it's like, it's so weird to me that people think that that still works. Well, and I think as a psychologist, you know, it, it says something about, as you mentioned, the person and how they were raised and what they thought was acceptable. And as you kind of use the word worked, like what worked for that person. And so I had a lot of sadness for her that whatever in her life, the constellation of things that has sort of molded her into this person who's behaving like this, I I, I truly had a lot of sadness for her. And I tried to draw on, you know, that sadness and, and, and some empathy toward her. Something, you know, in your life clearly has happened that, that you think that this is okay. And when the rest of us, and I think everyone else in a professional environment would say, no, it's actually really not okay. You can still be perceived as competent and capable and tough without having to scream, without having to have these overly uh, displays of emotion that are just kind of over the top, I think. So I tried to draw upon empathy for what must have been happening in her life. 
you know, how she must have been raised. And that also gave me a little bit of peace to to manage my own feelings around it. Because like I said, I, I was not raised in a tradition where that was acceptable at all. Right. It's in, it's interesting that um, you say that, and I, I applaud you for the empathy that you showed in your situation, because I think many of us would have, you know, unfortunately not gone high in such a situation and had a few choice words for this um, <laughs> boss. But you made me think that in your last comment about potentially as maybe this um, boss as a female felt like she needed to overcompensate for um, things in her career, for her gender. And, you know, I think for me, I've been fortunate to not play into those stereotypes, especially as a a minority and as a woman that, you know, people want to see that angry side of me or that yelly, which fits into such a stereotype. And I've never been that person. And I'm like, if you take me there, there's no turning back. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's been fortunate that I have learned to not fall into that stereotype and to understand that, you know, oftentimes the whisper gets just as much of a te- as an attention as the, the yell or the scream. So yeah. Um, if yeah. not more so. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the number of times I've been accused of being too nice, I, I, I've lost count. I mean, it's in the hundreds at this point, at least. Um, as if that's a bad thing. And like I said, I grew up in this tradition of kind of selfless service and being Catholic. And so you would never say to Mother Teresa, you're too nice, you know? Um, I think, again, there's these, as you, you both are talking about, this stereotype that, you know, if you're female, you can't be too nice in quotes because then that means you must be dot, dot, dot. And I think, as you're mentioning, you know, that's not the case. Like, you, you can still be competent and, and, and kind and still speak to people in a manner that, you know, is, is soft spoken. I mean, you don't have to raise your voice and do all these other things so that people will, in quotes, perceive you as tough. So. Right. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being our guest and for sharing your story with us. I think our listeners will definitely be excited to hear your about your experience. And you've always, as I know, articulated things so well, and I continue to learn from you. So even in a bad boss situation. So um, thank you again so much. And hopefully maybe you'll join us again, um, either as a specialist, as a psychologist yes. or in another form. We would love that. I would love that. No, I mean, I I would absolutely uh, love that. And I can't thank you enough for inviting me. I think when I am able to have these discussions, I learn as much, if not more, I hope, from maybe what perspective I can lend as a psychologist. So anytime uh, you would like like to have me on, or even just as you mentioned, just to kind of have a teeny piece about a psychological understanding of what's going on. And I'd be happy to, to do that for you. Thank you. Love that. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bad Boss Journal. We'll check in with you soon. See you next Bye. time. Do you have a Bad Boss experience you'd like to share with us? Visit our website, thebadbossjournal.com to submit your story. You can also support our show by checking out our merch and more on our website. Thank you so much for listening to the Bad Boss Journey.